and welcome to Teachers Supporting Teachers, a podcast designed for pre-service teachers and beginning teachers. My name's Narelle Lemon and I'm an Associate Professor in Education at Swinburne University of Technology in Melbourne, Australia. I'm also the Creative Director of Explore and Create Code. Welcome to Series 2, where I invite you to use your strengths of creativity, curiosity, open-mindedness to explore what might be possible. In Series 1, we focused a lot about COVID-19 and the dynamic changes that we needed to make. In Series 2, I want to branch out a little bit more and talk about what it means to be a teacher and all those different aspects that are a part of our job, how we look after ourselves, but also how we look after the young people that we work with. So join me in this series as we discover some new insights with some guests from Australia, but also from the international context. special episode of Teachers Supporting Teachers. This week I have six guests with me. I think this is the the most we've had in, in one episode and I'm so delighted to have Manami, Lauren, Kayla, Ash, Nina and Natasha with me who are pre-service teachers at Swinburne. We've got three primary and three secondary. And we've been spending um, this week together. It's currently Thursday as we're recording this. And we've had a, a five-day program together, undertaking a professional experience in a, in a simulation um, setting, so online setting, as a part of addressing um, COVID and all that COVID is and th- throwing up surprises and, and different expectations for us. So it's been an absolute delight to work with these guys and um, we're going to share some insights into what our experience has been like together and particularly hear from um, everybody in regards to um, teach what it's like teaching online, um, how we address inclusion and engagement and culturally sensitive issues as well as well-being. A lot of hot topics there that are important in our roles as educators and are particularly illuminated when we work in that online space. So welcome everybody. And I'm wondering, let's have a few introductions and say hello. So, Kayla, I wonder if you would like to um, say hi. Sure. So, my name is Kayla. I am in my final year of a Bachelor of Education Secondary and a Bachelor of Cinema and Screen Studies. So, my method areas are Media Studies and Sociology. Nice. Lovely. Natasha, hello. Hello, so my name's Natasha and this is my final year as well, but in primary teaching. Um, I'm very nervous and excited at the same time to complete my bachelor, but I think it will be a really good experience once I get inside the classroom. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Nina, hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, so I'm Nina and I am in my final year of uh, 
primary teaching this year. So really exciting. I'm just really keen to finish and I'm just really keen to just dive into a classroom next year. The anticipation. We're so close. So, so close. Okay. Um, hi, Ash. How are you? Hi, Narelle. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, so I'm Ash. Uh, I'm a uh, final year arts and education student. Um, I've just moved to Singapore, so I don't know how I'm going to enter the classroom next year, whether it's, uh, I don't know, however I can find a job here, I'll, I'll take, whether it's as a teacher or a um, TA or relief work or something. So I'm excited to see, I'll have a job finally and see what I can make of it. Yeah, exciting times. The unknown is is going to be fascinating, interesting, exciting, nerve-wracking and everything in, in the middle. And um, hello, Manavi, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Um, so my name is Manami. So I'm a third year Bachelor of Education secondary student. I've also got one more year to go. My methods are Japanese and history. So I've just heard Japanese, though I'm still not that great at it. So <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> Thank you. And lucky last, Lauren, hello. Hello. Um, my name's Lauren. I'm a final year pre-service teacher studying primary education. Um, and I work as a tutor support officer or uh, integration aide at a school in Bayside. And um, I'm really enjoying the individual needs side of education. So I'm excited to graduate and see where that takes me. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. We've had the five or four days together, three, almost four days together now, and I'm really fascinated to hear your insights. And I think everyone else listening as well will be because a placement um, during COVID has been quite different for, for many of us. Um, a few of us have had um, experiences in that remote flexible setting. Some of us have been on, on site, but this placement um, is quite different and it's been fully uh, online and it's been a simulation in terms of we've run it through the university and we've kind of gone through all of those things of working together as a collaboration, going through um, having a problem to solve, uh, planning curriculum, writing units, delivering teaching, pedagogical um, research and also working as a, as a team, much like we would do in, in a school. And I'm really interested to hear all your insights as we, we um, reflect on what this simulation placement has been like. And I think one of the um, things that is really um, interesting to, to unpack is the integration of technology. And that's something that um, we need to do as educators, no matter what environment we're teaching in, no matter what context. But when we're thinking about it in terms of online and talking about the primary classroom and the secondary classroom, I'm wondering, um, you know, what have been the biggest aha moments in regards to learning and teaching, particularly when it, we think about engagement with technology. So Kayla and Manami, I wonder about what resources did you use to enhance the online learning scenario um, that are transferable uh, to on-site? What are some of those aha moments that you've, you've learnt about this week? Yeah, so I've just finished um, a 25-day placement in a regional school via online um, learning. 
Um, and I've noticed with the teacher, uh, the mentor teacher that I had, that it was really important that all the classes she designed were transferable to on-site because there was a bit of um, confusion about when when the classes would return back on site. Um, and we had to prepare for that to be the case. So a lot of the um, classes that I planned had that in mind um, and were very much transferable across both online and on site. So in the last couple of weeks, I discovered a new um, website. It's a really good tool for both online and on site teaching. Um, it's called Nearpod. So it's nearpod.com um, and you can basically make um, a slideshow, but it's very interactive. So with Nearpod, um, I was able to create interactive um, brainstorming. So all the students could come on and input their answers and we'd brainstorm together. Um, and it wasn't just that they would type in their answers, but they also had the opportunity to put in pictures, to draw and there was just multiple options which is really good for catering to the diverse um, students that we have um, and it's also something you could do in a classroom as well um, and over the couple of days I've been looking more into Nearpod and there's actually a lot of features on there so you could create a whole slideshow um, some of the things on there include um, like VR so you can actually um, and this is relevant I think to history as well um, you can put in a VR kind of simulation and have the students do a virtual field trip to maybe an ancient site. So that's really cool because they can all go on on their devices and actually have a look around um, with their own control rather than me doing it um, at the front of the class. So I think that's really cool. And yeah, I do highly recommend it for pre-service teachers and for teachers out there. Um, and it's definitely something that you could transfer across both for online um, and on-site teaching. Yeah, nice. And we saw you in action this week, um, teaching yes. with it yesterday, which was really great. And I wasn't um, familiar with it. So it was great to see it in action. And I particularly love that ability um, that it provides in being able to contribute in diverse ways. So it's, yeah, it's great yeah. for the student student engagement who some want to type, some want to find an image, some want to draw and all those those um, different features. It's really nice. Yep, definitely. Manimi, what are your um, your thoughts about this? Yeah, so I had the same um, kind of experience as Kayla because we both went to the exact same placement school but taught mm. different subjects. So, yeah, it's all about transferability because we – during this time, we're not too sure when the kids will go back. So we don't want to kind of just throw all this new kind of resources at them that they might never really touch again. So my resource was more based around kind of this idea of like something that's like widely accessible that we're all kind of aware of. So I made like a PowerPoint, but like kind of improved in it a little bit because I wanted to have something that I was comfortable with, but something that I could also improve on to make it more engaging with the students. So my one was more kind of like a, like a choose your own adventure kind of idea where students kind of pick what topic they're interested in and then they can explore it um, and then recap it. Um, so that way all the students can learn the topic together in a way that's kind of lighthearted and fun, but also giving the critical information they need. 
Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome seeing you in action with it as well, because your enthusiasm <laughs> and your zest came through. And it's, I think, um, you you were particularly um, delivering a history lesson and the way you delivered it and the amount of content that came through was just amazing in, in setting it up in that choose your own adventure um, setting and that a PowerPoint could be so engaging in that way to, because you set it up like a, you talked, um, called it a roulette, didn't you? And it was kind of like that. Yeah. You had multiple questions that could then engage the learner. Yeah, the roulette of information. Yeah, I think like enthusiasm goes a long way when you're teaching. Like I was doing like a little drum rolls um, before I announced each student. So just kind of like those little fun little tidbits to put in around the um the class can really help keep the kids engaged and still have fun with it yeah definitely lovely yes and I love those drum rolls that you were you were presenting it was we were all um all loving I mean loving the lesson <laughs> good to hear <laughs> so I'm interested also about um you know differentiating the curriculum and supporting learners and particularly that approach to inclusion and I wonder how you guys approach um, addressing the students' needs through the online delivery. I'm wondering, um, Manami, do you want to share your insights? That, and then I'm going to call on Nina. Yeah, sure thing. So when I was actually um, creating my PowerPoint idea, so we had to uh, we had different students in mind. So we had kind of like a little character sheet with four students that we need to be aware of when we're creating our resource. Um, that's how I actually came up with the idea for an interactive PowerPoint. Because um, one of the students named Carlos, we had to ensure he was engaged in the content as he become confrontational, if he kind of disengages a little bit. So the PowerPoint, I made it so it emulates kind of a game show. Because I think in this day and age, kids, you know, they love game shows, they love gaming, they love that kind of fun, interactive approach. So getting him to engage in a game show type um, emulation and pick a topic he's interested in really helps to keep him with within the classroom, keep him engaged in the content and um well not just him but every student and ensure that they're all observe absorbing as much information as possible. But yeah, I made sure that each student in that character sheet was uh catered to by highlighting their strengths but also being aware of the weaknesses that they might have as well. Yeah, nice. And for those listening, um just to give you a context, we had four students that um, we were making sure that we included with our planning and they came with a whole heap of diverse different backgrounds and experiences and that was one way that we were making sure that we were addressing um, some of those areas that sometimes we forget about as, as teachers and making sure that we diversified what we were doing with our learning and teaching and our pedagogical decisions to be inclusive of students. So, and we had um, those, those four students featured um, in our, each of our lessons as we taught them this week, um, which, was, which was lovely. So we had Carlos and, and Emily were two that uh, featured quite, quite heavily as we were, we were planning and engaging. I think we, I think we feel like we know them, even though I'm not sure that they're our secret avatars that have, have got a life of their own now. I think we'll be always, always thinking of Emily and, and Carlos. Nina, I wonder if you want to share your thoughts about approaching um, differentiated curriculum and particularly that element of inclusion. 
Yeah, so I definitely agree with Manami how you really had to know their strengths and their weaknesses. Like I found that you really need to know your students and you, you really do need to know them well to be able to, I guess, go up to them and give them the information that they need in order to learn. And so throughout my online delivery, I did my lesson on Lake Mungo, which is um, a dried up lake in the middle of New South Wales, um, which has a lot of Indigenous um, artifacts and, a, and, it's, and it shares a lot about the ancient past. And so one of the um, avatars that we had um, that we had to accommodate for was Zelda, who was an Indigenous student um, and she didn't really feel too comfortable in the school, but we were trying to, I guess, get her out of her comfort zone. And so um, for my um, delivery, I decided to have a conversation with Zelda prior to this topic because I knew there would be a lot of sensitive information, especially because we did go into burial rites. Um, and so I thought it would be a great idea to have a conversation with her prior to the class, just about the topic, just wanting to know what she thought of it, if she felt comfortable. And I also just decided to give her a right to pass. So if she didn't really feel comfortable, she can just log out of the Zoom meeting or um, she can just not attend the Zoom meeting in the beginning. But yeah, I guess overall, I just found that um, you really do have to know your students very well, which is incredibly hard when you are learning online and a lot of teachers these days had only what maybe a whole term with their kids and then onto online learning. And so I feel like there should be some ways that teachers can try and connect with their kids in order to accommodate them for them in the classroom. Mm, lovely and I like the um, strategies you guys were all using I particularly like that protocol Nina that you just mentioned there about that right to pass um, and right to pass is not about not participating it's about figuring out how much you will participate and what that participation will look like and when we're thinking about um, cultural diversity um, inclusion and um, particularly for us we had a character with indigenous um, or an avatar with indigenous um, backgrounds to being um, introducing that right to pass to allow that mutual respect to come through is a really really nice aspect and lauren i'm going to throw you on the spot here but I know that you put your innovative thinking cap on and kind of reached out to um, somebody to assist you into thinking about how you could embrace um, cultural diversity in a classroom. And I really loved how you did that. I wonder if you're open to, to sharing that, what you, what you did. A way that I wanted to approach this was to sort of think outside the box, um, just because in my opinion and from what I've observed um, on placements um, in relation to exploring history of our First Nations, it can be quite um, tokenistic um, in a sense. So I wanted to contact someone um, who I knew who openly identified um, as Aboriginal and who was a youth and uh, social worker um, I had no connection with this person. I just followed them um, on Instagram. And um, this woman's amazing. She's an advocate for cultural injustice and um, cultural equality. Uh, so I messaged her and I just introduced myself and the journey that um, I'm on to, to seek her guidance and opinion and feedback and anything that I could um, grab to help me um, gain a better understanding of, of how to approach these topics and um, 
yeah, I feel it was important because um, some educators sometimes shy away from, from teaching um, these areas within the curriculum and having these conversations as the educator when um, we don't come from that culture and, and we haven't experienced the, the lived reality that some of our students might have experienced and the um, adversity that we might be covering in the content. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important to reach out and re reiterate to colleagues and, and your students that no, we're not experts in this field, but um, we do have the passion and drive for social justice and inclusion to, to start the conversation and um, then it, it's how we go about gathering information and and who we seek the who we seek information from and, and guidance from um, and I think when yeah when we think outside the box like that the result can be um, pretty awesome yeah pretty awesome indeed and I love that thinking outside of the box that was really nice thank you so much for sharing that I think it's quite um inspiring and you know sometimes we talk about social media in a negative way and there are those aspects there but it actually gives us one of the benefits of it is networking and contact with people that um we might not necessarily be able to have um access to and you certainly utilize that that benefit of social media to support um support that area of your growth professionally. So thank you. Okay, so one of the biggest topics, one of my favorite topics is well-being, self-care. And um, it's something that has popped up in this placement this week. And it's a thing that I think, you know, well, I think it's more than a thing. It is uh, something that is incredibly important anytime but during COVID well-being and self-care has become particularly um, high profile and realizing that we all need some help and we need help as teachers we also as teachers need to help our students and awareness of what that looks like and can be like at the moment is is quite different so we're all been on our own journeys of, of coping and adjusting to what um, COVID has meant for us and for us um, it's been primarily that we've been working and doing everything from home um, and our ability to get out and about um, has been has been reduced significantly and I'm really interested about how we um, ensure that we take care of well-being and that we place well-being at the heart of what we do and particularly what does that look like for student well-being and what do we need to take into consideration when we're in that online space so I wonder Ash and Lauren if you'd like to to share your thoughts about how you've approached it Ash do you want to go um go first yeah sure um so I think yeah, it's starting to become a major part of, of conversation these days. Um, people uh, are a lot more accepting and understanding the importance of, of wellness, uh, mindfulness and well-being. Um, and so one of the things that I would always like to ensure is that I have a, a safe space for a student to approach me, regardless of the issue. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I've been around. I've done, you know, tried a few different career choices and traveled the world. And that, so I think I'd like to have a bit of experience I could probably help impart some knowledge um, but as the only uh, guy in this entire thing at uh, this time around um, and as a, a man in, in education I notice uh, a big issue for young men young men and boys um, that 
it, it can be really difficult even to really understand what it is to be a man these days or what uh, is required of you. And um, so a couple of resources I'd like to recommend for any, any teacher, anyone who's having to deal with young men that would really help young boys if you don't have the answers is there's a, um, a community called Men's Shed, um, which I don't know if any people have heard of, um, but mm -hmm. they have different sheds all around or I guess community spaces around the country that help men from a range of different backgrounds, boys to men and helps introduce them to each other and gives them a safe space to talk about their issues. They have a lot of resources. They have a podcast as well. Um, but for people in Melbourne, particularly, uh, there is a, um, a psychologist called Bloke Psychology mm. who noticed um, a lot of the stigma with men's mental health or uh, boys to men's mental health. Uh, they don't just deal with men, but that's what their main focus is, is blokes psychology. Um, and they have a podcast. So if you're a young person that's, you know, have some questions or you're struggling to find that, that chance to, to make yourself known or to figure out a bit more of these things, it's, you know, their blog and their podcast is a really good place to, to get your voice out there and, and have someone listen to you and, and give you the chance to, to think and talk about these things. I think just having a, an open, safe space to even let them speak without being told what to think is, is really, really good. Just support them in their journey. Yeah, definitely. Great, great tips there and resources. And we'll share those resources in the podcast notes as well. So um, those who are listening can, can access them. And Lauren, what are your thoughts? What a relevant topic for 2020. Um, I think all of our students have experienced such a great deal uh, of change this year. Um, and they've really taken it in their stride from what I've um, observed and experienced. Um, this global pandemic has impacted on everyone in different ways. It has not discriminated. Um, and the strength and persistence that I've observed um, whilst are out in schools and um, in participating in, in remote and flexible learning online. Um, it's been a really nice reminder of just how resilient our students are. Um, I think educators also have been, they've really been thrown into the deep end um, with the immediate shift to remote and flexible learning and have had to prioritise wellbeing um, for these little growing bodies. Um, probably a lot more than they would have um, in the past. Um, so as pre-service teachers and educators, I think we need to make sure that we're designing a learning environment or um, structuring learning content um, that sort of emulates the physical classroom to sort of create that um, sense of um, normality for our students um, in such, a, such an unnormal um, way. Um, so trying to foster um, the students' um, autonomous motivation and, and their sense of um, meaning and purpose and the why behind um, their learning and, and bringing context and relevance to their learning to um, motivate them to participate and to continue with their learning, I think has been really important. Um, making sure that um, we promote inclusion and belonging um, has a great flow and effect for wellbeing. Um, making sure that all students feel confident and comfortable enough to participate in online learning in, in whatever um, context they may be in. Because I know that um, 
each student brings with them a unique ecosystem that um, impacts upon their ability to um, participate in online learning. So creating platforms and different um, potential routes of education that students can interact with, whether it be through flipped learning and, and popping the content up before the lessons um, and for um, after the lesson as well, so they can revisit it just in case they weren't able to attend or um, if we're thinking more within um, a lesson, the incorporation of brain breaks can be really crucial mm. um, to a student's well-being. Just turning off the switch and um, decompressing and um, supporting the students through a mindfulness meditation or a mindfulness activity or even just a conversation so the students can reconnect with their peers and um, you can encourage those positive relationships because they're definitely missing um, that social interaction with people other than their families. Um, and just supporting time off screens because I know that a lot of students have definitely been on screens more throughout online learning. Um, and at home, just in general, there's not there's not much to do at home. So, um, yeah, making sure that we're encouraging them to have some time off the screen. And, um, yeah, I, th I think that um, supporting them and their well-being, well -being in the home environment is um, a very important topic of 2020. And, yeah. It is, it is indeed. And you've just reminded me of that you know, me time, we time, screen time and green time, you know, there's a whole heap of different um, concepts of time. And I think all of us have been having far more screen time than normal. And so it's just balancing, you know, what does the me time, the we time and the green time uh, look like on it in our day? Um, and particularly when we're thinking about um, education and learning, how does that come into it? What can we facilitate as educators as well to support that occurring? Um, and your brain breaks in your your teaching, Lauren, were great. You had us, you know, meditating there for a while and then we were stretching. So we had the Zen and really being present and coming back to our breath um, and then moving that body uh, with, with the stretching, getting out of our, our seats um, was, a, you know, really great examples of what can be achieved there. And what I noticed with you guys and your teaching all the way through is there was great moments of well-being being facilitated uh, with the hellos, your greetings, um, the check-ins, the emotional check-ins. You had some great strategies in terms of um, Manami. You had that great one with the scale of one, two, three, four, five. How are you feeling about things? You want to talk us through that one? Yeah, so that's actually one of the things I learned from my placement um, for remote learning. My teacher told me that it's a great way to get kids to tell you their confidence levels in a topic um, because I thought that they wouldn't actually be honest when I first tried it. But like to my surprise, everyone was like super honest about what level they were at. So like I would get like lots of ones and twos, but it let me focus on those students more to help bring them up to like a four or five so they can feel more confident in the topic. Um, and that was to be used in like a classroom environment. So you just get them like to hold the finger over their head, how much, like how confident they are. So that way they don't have to like feel embarrassed because everyone else will be doing the exact same thing and yeah, you won't see each other. So yeah, I think it's a really good way to pick up on um, who you really need to focus on each lesson. Mm, yeah, really nice strategy. And I know, Ash, you talked about using the comment box and that ability on platforms where you can support students' well-being and that content, uh, um, 
being in contact with you as a teacher that yes we're all on the screen in the class at the time but there's also ways where you can communicate still with the teacher one-on-one -on -one, um, to check in and to to share insights and ask questions that way yeah i think that's possibly one of the benefits of the online model um, especially with things like zoom where the message comes to you directly so it can mm. be anonymous you don't have to make yourself vulnerable to others and you can just you know even if it's during a class you can just go to your own breakout room while the other students are doing an activity or just um, i know at university um, one of our lecturers has a, a day a week where she has an open door policy and just goes onto a zoom call so mm. that if anyone has any concerns they can just like zoom straight in and have a chat to them i think just giving them that safe space to have their say is really important for anyone, for adults and, and children. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Great strategies there, thank you. Okay, so throughout the week, we've all been considering learners and being co-learners and the place of voice and participation, and particularly creating that community of practice where mutual respect is sitting there. <clears throat> And I'm wondering if we can hear a little bit about you guys and your thoughts about how you're approaching um, teaching culturally sensitive um, content. And I'm wondering, um, Natasha and Lauren, if you wanted to share this. And I'm thinking maybe Natasha wants to, to go first. <laughs> yeah, all good. Um, so as Nina stated earlier, one of our hypothetical students for our simulation was um, a Zelda who identified as Indigenous. Um, so I took a more uh, more family aspect to that, I, different to Lauren, she took a more community-based approach, but I wanted to put a lot of um, emphasis on that family connection, um, especially with working with culturally sensitive information because I was working on the colonisation at the time. Um, but I feel like families are a really valuable resource, especially when it comes to planning and teaching, because um, they have a lot of information to offer in terms of like their knowledge, their life experiences, and just their overall children. They can offer a lot for teachers. Um, so I thought it was really important to prioritize the inclusion of both the student themselves and their families when I was doing my planning. Um, so I like went about it in a way that I could gain a better understanding of the topic I was teaching um, and making sure that it was in a respectful and culturally sensitive way. Um, and I also wanted to make sure that both the student and family were prepared for what I was gonna teach and that they felt comfortable in the way I was going to teach it um, and how I went about it in the classroom and just offer them uh, especially the student, a way to be like, oh, I might not be comfortable for that. I might need to sit out um, or something like that, like an exit pass. Um, but I really think it's a valuable way when you're working with families that you get, well, families from different cultures, not specifically Indigenous, um, because they do offer a lot of expert knowledge about their background and heritage, especially in terms like correct terminology um, that in the everyday life you can use, as well as the classroom, um, and even their beliefs and culture, like how to go about that in a respectful way. Um, so 
I do think if you go about it in the right way, especially um, especially when working with the families and students, that it can benefit you as a teacher a lot, as well as the rest of the students in your classroom. I think it has yeah. a lot to offer. Beautiful. Well said. And I think it's really highlighting that we're... Um, uh, we are a community and the school community is not just about the teachers and the students, it's about the families, guardians um, and and carers and how we can include them. And I just love how you spoke about them being experts as well and honouring what they can bring to the learning experience as, yeah, as we're all co-learners as well. So that's, yeah, beautiful framing. Thanks, Natasha. Lauren. Did you have some thoughts about this? Uh, yeah, so I think um, this is very relevant, especially with um, all of the, the cultural movements we've seen in um, 2020 um, globally. And um, I think it's always important to bring context to what our students are seeing around the world. Um, so yeah, one of my main um, pedagogical beliefs, I suppose, and um, priorities is to ensure that as educators we're instigating change um, so whether that be through being um, that stable role model within a student's life or um, taking it further and creating a safe environment where we can start those more difficult but um, meaningful and important conversations surrounding those trickier topics that that are real and affecting uh, members within our community um, I think it um, it's so important that these conversations start at a younger age within schools where students can be encouraged to look at things they might see in the media or on the news, um, in politics or um, something they might be presented with in another class or historical movements, um, approaching it with a critical eye. Um, I think that this is especially important within Australia as um, we have a very beautiful tapestry of um, diversity and culture and we need to encourage our students to look into where our country has been in the past regarding multiculturalism and acceptance and, and where we're now in the present and then really just by how far um, we still have to go to progress society to be um, more inclusive and accepting and culturally aware. Um, I talk about our unique tapestries of cultures within our, within our classrooms. Um, we have our own little microcosm of diversity and um, we really need to support and approach that in a way that is culturally sensitive um, and respectful and make it one of our founding priorities for our everyday practice. Um, so I think the first step to moving forward is to acknowledge that as educators we don't know it all, we're not, we're not experts in everything um, and that we're embarking on these journeys of learning and, and sharing personal um, experiences in regards to culture with our students and that it's okay to not always have the answer and that we can find answers together. So um, it's important that as educators, we're, we're co-learners. Um, and I think that when we discuss these more difficult and very real topics with our students that we need to humble ourselves and create a leveled um, and in safe environment that promotes these conversations in um, an ethical, and respectful way um, and within our placement we decided to focus on a history-centered unit however it did really call upon multiple areas within our curriculum um, 
and we created the topic ancient Australia ancient world and had the founding inquiry question how have different societies beliefs and values evolved over time and then how has that come to shape our society in the modern world of today so my section of um, the unit of the learning was unpacking how societal beliefs and values have progressed from then to now um, and now this um, brings up some shameful history within our country and also some really heavy topics surrounding cultural exclusion and a reality that is still experienced um, today and as Tash said before one of our students um, identified as Aboriginal and whilst I felt drawn to create a really rich and thought-provoking lesson. I needed to make sure that all the content that I was wanting to present was culturally sensitive and appropriate and that it was truly reflective of um, experience. And I know that, um, yeah, Tash spoke about how we can invite families and our students to have these conversations um, with us whilst we're preparing for a unit um, to inform our, our pedagogical planning and, and teaching and, and not making the assumption that the family would not be comfortable with it or that they would be comfortable with it and having the bravery to approach them and just start the conversation with them um, to seek guidance and information and resources and um, working out the most um, authentic and appropriate way to address this in a classroom. So yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And I know that um, from your experiences this week teaching, we certainly had that safe, creating a safe space and vulnerability um, coming up for all of us in, in different ways, not only through the content that you were um, exploring, but also in the role of being a teacher and um, peer teaching and receiving peer feedback as well. Um, and those elements coming through. And I think um, what you yeah, really highlighted is um, authenticity coming um, in partnership with that vulnerability and to be a, a deep listener when we're working with others um, and respecting their lived experiences, backgrounds and, and what they bring to, to our um, learning communities. They're really nice, nicely articulated there. Thank you. So I'm wanting to talk a little bit now about collaboration because we've all worked together this week um, quite intense, intensely and collaboration has been a really central part of, of the, place, the placement and it is something that is um, a key aspect of our roles as teachers as well working within a school context. But this placement's been a little bit different and the collaborations looked and felt quite different as well. And I'm wondering if we could um, hear a little bit about what that's been like and perhaps, you know, what are those skills and the knowledge that, that you gained from each other during this, this simulated professional experience? And I wonder, um, Tasha and Nina, if you wanted to, to share your thoughts on this. Yeah, for sure. So I guess what I've found throughout the experience is that there's so much importance with discussion among peers. And just I guess like picking everybody's brains, I felt was so like beneficial for me. And it was it was probably beneficial for everybody else as well, because I just found like where I'd have brain blocks and I'd be thinking, man, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what my, my end goal is, but um, at the end of the day, yeah, our, our main end goal was to achieve the standards and to help benefit our, 
our, I guess, our fake students in a positive way. Um, and being able to pick everybody's brain and, and I guess have that discussion with everybody um, because everybody has the same end goal. We were all just kind of like pushing each other up and helping each other out and giving each other ideas and just bouncing ideas off each other. Like we were talking about when we first started with our unit plan, we had no idea what we were going to start with. And, and Ash decided, um, <clears throat> Ash mentioned, oh, the Smithsonian Museum has some cool um, artifacts and then we were like oh this is amazing and then we went on to different countries and then we just decided to we had to incorporate an indigenous aspect to it so we wanted to involve I guess part of the Melbourne Museum as well and it just kind of spiraled from there and it just felt very easy to collaborate with everyone because we had the the same goal to ensure that the kids get the best um, experience and the the most learning out of it. Yeah, nice. And you, you highlighted something really important there is that you all had a, you developed a shared goal. And once you had that shared goal, it was a real um, pathway to enable you to all bounce off each other and, and work that way, which um, has been absolute delight to watch you guys um, this week as you, we've come in sort of not knowing each other or not, not for some of you are in total different courses and, and degrees. And, and I think, by the time we officially say goodbye to each other tomorrow, I think you've formed another beautiful community of practice where you've you've got some you know great new colleagues um, within your in, in your world to continue to bounce off ideas and support support one another, which is just lovely to to watch you guys um, develop that way. So, Tash, I wonder if you've got any thoughts that you'd like to share with us about the collaboration process. Yeah, um, initially I was really daunted by it. So like when Narelle sent the information and this is what we were going to do, it just really felt overwhelming. But it was really, in the end, it was really interesting to work with this group of people because we all ranged from like different ages, different courses with the primary and secondary. And we were all at different um, stages in our particular course. So it was really interesting to get all the different perspectives on different things like such as Nina said with the planning um, and the organizing of our unit um, and even though we were so different it was a really supportive group like we all offered each other feedback and we all shared our different experiences over our course and there was just a lot of encouragement within the whole group which I thought was really nice and it kind of settled my nerves probably everyone else's as well but um, it was just really nice to be a part of that. Um, even like listening to other ideas and bouncing ideas off each other. And even if we accidentally unmuted at the same time, we would just laugh it off. And it was just a really good experience. Because um, I feel like in the teaching um, career that um, peers and like the teaching team can offer a lot, especially within like our teaching practice because um, we learn from each other like the different experiences so like the different classes we all took because of the different courses um, and the different placements we embarked on previously and how they impacted us with the similarities and differences of them all um, and even when we were taking our lessons just to see the different teaching approaches that we all took um, so how I think Kayla said it was when she was watching the primary 
um, people teach. Like we were also bubbly and that sometimes the secondary teachers forget to smile. Like, and it was just really interesting to kind of see um, that comparison and we kind of learned from that. So I'm sure Kayla and Ash and I think was it Manami um, that will take that into their further secondary course and sort of implement that. Um, and even like the resources that we introduced during this, like mm -hmm. some of them I'd never even heard of or seen in action, but I can definitely take that into my future teaching, especially if it continues to be on remote learning. Like I know there's Nearpod, there's Zoom whiteboard, there's a whole like range of different resources that I can draw on now that I've seen it. I feel more comfortable using them. Um, but yeah, it was really reassuring to have a great team to work with and each put in um, the effort and time to get where we needed to be in the end. Um, and it actually became a really enjoyable and worthwhile experience for everyone. I felt it was really beneficial. Yeah, that's so lovely to hear. And um, I, I totally feel that anticipation that when you guys all knew that you were going to be doing a placement this way as a, as a simulation and, and what was involved, it, it was like, holy camoles, I'm not sure what this is going to be like. And I think you know, from us who um, from who designed it from the other perspective, we had that anticipation sitting there as well as like, oh, will this work? What this, what's this going to look like? So it's just been wonderful to see the program um, unravel this week in terms of, um, you know, such uh, expectations have just gone completely um, blown out of the water in terms of yeah. participation and, and what's been happening and that generosity that's been going on in amongst yourselves in terms of sharing resources, um, modeling and trialing, being vulnerable yourselves or trialing different ways of working in the online space um, has been just so gorgeous. Really nice. So this um, this week's been a lot of about um, possibilities as well, and the seeds have been planted for a whole heap of different ways we can work, and not only um, with each other, but how we can facilitate learning, how we can uh, engage in reflective practice. And I'm wondering, Kayla and Ash, if you wanted to share with us how a simulated placement could possibly be used as a pre-placement activity or impact future teaching because I know you guys have been quite inspired by this and um, we've talked a little bit about the beauty of having this experience with primary and secondary together when usually we're all all separate and I know you guys had some some great ideas and have been inspired so I wonder if you want to share with us some of those possibilities that you've you've envisaged. Yeah, so um, similar to Natasha, I also, before starting this placement, was a bit sceptical about how it would work. You know, we didn't, we wouldn't have real students there. It would be all online. And I was just really curious about how it would work and how effective it will really be. But I think Narelle and Dr. Robin Floyd have been really helpful um, guiding the process um, and pretty much being flexible with us. And this is all an experiment. It hasn't been done before. So kind of seeing how getting the perspective of the student teachers as well and how they would um, like this to go ahead. And I think overall it's turned out really well and I do think um, it would be a really great tool um, before you enter a placement, a real placement, 
to kind of do one week of this um, where you can experiment with your ideas in like a safe um, environment. So I know a few of us um, wanted to try some new online resources, but we weren't too confident with doing this straight up in a real classroom. So it was a really good experience. And if we did have some errors or technical difficulties along the way, it didn't matter too much. We're just all here to learn and we all kind of learnt off each other. So I think that's really good. Um, I think this would be particularly beneficial for first years um, and their first placement because it is very overwhelming um, and very nerve wracking to step foot in the school for the first time. You've only done a few units. You haven't learnt much about your method areas yet. You've only learnt a bit about the, the base knowledge of teaching and you have to step in front of a class after observing a couple of lessons and actually teach them. And that's really scary if you haven't done it before. And so this would have been really beneficial for myself. I know when I first did placement, I was very, I was probably 19, quite young, and the students were nearly my age. I was teaching senior, senior years and it was really scary. So yeah, I think that this would be a really good preparation and just a way to trial some um, new ideas, I guess, mm. before you actually enter the real classroom. Yeah, nice. It comes back to that safe space, doesn't it? That we've mm -hmm. created a safe space with each other to to trial things and to experiment with things that we've seen before, but we haven't had a chance to do ourselves. Or as we're going, oh, I, this is how I would do it in a face-to-face -face situation, but I don't know how I'm going to do it in online. What do you guys think? What could be possible? And and bouncing off off one another. I know we've had great time exploring mind mapping, um, interactive whiteboards, um, using polls, um, forming um, breakout rooms and how we could um, have in, in a variety of different interactive activities with different platforms. Um, and even, you know, we've been using Zoom, but even um, using apps that we have on other other machines that we can screen share and what does that look like and how does that come through? So there's been a whole heap of different um, opportunities to trial those things and it's not only the use of them but it's also that technical aspect of what does that look like and what do I have to do across different screens and so that chance to be able to figure out the nuts and bolts of everything has been just beautiful opportunity to do that. Ash did you have some some thoughts here about possibilities and ideas? Yeah um, I think uh I'm slightly opposite to Kayla. I think this is this is fantastic for a final year, um, as a consolidation of of the skills that we've done at university. So we've had classes on curriculum pedagogy and writing our own unit plans, and you know that's individual work, which isn't really how the real world would work. It would be a collaborative effort. So you have a chance to do that. Like we said, organically, we had an idea, and then everyone developed this unit. And a lot of us don't even specialize in the subject area. And yet suddenly in, in a day, we had a unit with classes to teach. Um, I think it's a really, really good way to, to practice those skills with uh, networking and, and a team and to bounce ideas off. And, and I think the safety of it as well. Um, obviously you don't get the, the practical experience of uh, classroom management you're dealing with adults and there's no one really speaking out of turn you don't need to worry about that or or being silly and things like that um but like for me personally I have no experience in the in the technology so like I've 
I've had apprentices in the past. I've worked in the, uh, the trade sector. I've taught TAFE classes. So being in front of students isn't my biggest concern. It's really everything else other than that, which makes up so much of teaching. I didn't really expect writing the lesson plans, um, learning the technology and all those things. And I think having a team where I can practice those skills with, with like-minded adults who are, were incredibly supportive has really helped me uh, prepare for my portfolio, especially. There's lots of things, mm -hmm. you, the eights or standards, you don't get to necessarily meet on your placement, especially with the pandemic and our shortened placements. There's only so many things you can experience in, in 10 days that this is a great way to practice all those random skills that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do. Or you can uh, forcibly experience them without really disrupting your students and making them the guinea pigs, which isn't mm. really fair on them. So mm. I think that's been, I think it'd be fantastic for everyone to do it with their placement. Yeah, thank you. Some great thoughts there. Thank you. Okay, so one last question for all of you, and it's going to be um, my favourite topic, well-being, self-care. And so we've had um, this time together where we're day four of a five-day online simulation placement, and we've been working um, full-time that whole way through. And we've had some massive, absolutely massive days where we've been on the screen, the thinking that we've been doing, what we've what we've achieved has been absolutely incredible and what comes with that has been um you know we've been a bit tired and there's moments there where we've had to have those brain breaks or time where we're going right it's it's we need to really be gentle with ourselves tonight because it's been a massive day and so i'm really interested to know what your well-being or self-care um, strategies have been and i'm wondering if each of you would share one strategy that you've implemented and used this week to make sure that you're looking after yourself and I think it'd be great for those listening to hear this because they can build up their toolbox of well-being resources and just hear you know what can be possible maybe stimulate some ideas um, reinforce others who who want to try something something new of the reality of what what is possible and, and what do you do as a pre-service teacher when you're undertaking a placement, but particularly one where we're online 100% of the time. So I'm just gonna open up the floor randomly and I'm gonna wonder if Nina, you wanna share first. And then Nina, do you wanna share who goes next? And we'll, we'll, we'll follow it through that way. So I actually have two things that awesome. I have done throughout this week. Um, first thing is um, buy a one liter water bottle because keep hydrated all throughout like the whole time. I don't know if you guys have been looking at me. I've been just constantly drinking water because I feel like it just keeps my energies, my energy up. Um, I feel like I'm less lethargic at the end of the day and I drink yeah two liters, two to three liters every day. And um, especially when you're sitting there and you're teaching, I feel like you kind of forget everything around you. And um, I feel like having my water bottle next to me, I'm just like, oh yeah, I need to keep, I need to keep hydrated. I need to keep thinking of doing that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that every day at the end of the day, for the past two weeks, but definitely more this week, um, I've been journaling. So I've been journaling my thoughts. I've been um, reflecting on the day and reflecting on how I felt about it as well. Um, especially because I am definitely a bit of an overthinker. I find that journaling really 
gets all of my thoughts on paper and I see things that, oh, I didn't know that I thought about that or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't really th- thought, I didn't really think I had those thoughts until I put them on paper. So they're my main two, a water bottle and journaling at the end of the day. Beautiful. Um, I love those. I love those strategies. Awesome. Yeah, really nice. Thanks, Nina. I will have Lauren go next. Okay. Um, yeah, I think educators are such givers. I think that as pre-service teachers, we are constantly on the go, especially on placement, and, and we're constantly pouring out of our bucket. Um, and it's so important that we need to refill that bucket, otherwise we might not be left with with much um, else to give. So just doing things that put you in your happy place, whether it's taking the dog for a walk or ordering that pizza or watching that reality TV show. Um, Yeah, something else that's helped me is to, once I've logged off from place and quickly get all my thoughts down on paper and all my notes done, so then I can go into the the evening knowing that um, everything's done, it's put aside, and then I can go into the morning feeling prepared and ready um, for the next day. So staying in that little work mindset for half an hour when, when everyone's logged off. Um, just to smash it out and and feel more prepared and and to sort of give myself permission to um, pop my feet up and yeah relax yeah I love that that's really nice and you've reminded me of an episode we had earlier in this podcast series where we talked um, with Lisa Baker and she talked about um, filling your cup but then overfilling your cup and you give out from your saucer rather than giving out from your cup. So you're making sure that you're always um, looking after yourself. You've got that self-compassion there. You're doing things that make sure that you can still function um, well and that you're thriving and that you're flourishing, but you're still helping others. But you also acknowledge sometimes we need to just step back a little bit with the caring for others and not deplete ourselves to the point where we become so exhausted that, um, we're, we're no good to ourselves or others. So, yeah, that's love that. I love that. And I love those strategies of um, making sure that you sort of designate that time after when the screens, screens are off to finish those tasks um, so then you can really have a break at the end of the day and you start the next day totally refreshed, ready to focus and be present. Really nice. Lauren, who do you want to hear from next? Um, let's jump to Kayla. So I have two as well. Um, They're kind of interrelated, but um, I guess since March, since lockdown, we've had to use so much um, technology and have so much screen time every single day. And whether that be for placement or for uni work, you attend your uni classes and then you have to do your assignments. So you're back on the laptop after hours. And it's really constant. And I've been tracking my phone use um, on the iPhone and seeing how excessive my screen time is every day um, and that's affecting um, my fatigue levels because my eyes are constantly glued to the screen and I would say it's also affecting my eyesight so um, recently I've been really trying to only use screens when I need to so obviously with the placement I'll be using my laptop and for uni work but I'm really limiting instead of going to bed and scrolling on my phone for two hours I'll put my phone away and actually try and get some sleep. Um, And the other thing I've been doing is um, trying to get into an exercise routine. So every day I will do some kind of exercise. 
and that gets me off my chair and moving. I think that's really important because sometimes you're just sitting there and you can feel how still your body's been for that time and you really need to get those stretches out. Um, but at the same time, I don't really beat myself up if I do skip a day or something because mm. there's sometimes where I would just really appreciate a nap <laughs> and I don't want to move and that's okay too. And it's important to remove all the guilt around having to have a nap and like skipping exercise day and maybe you do want to go on your phone for a bit and escape from all the work that you've been doing. And I think that, yeah, it's really important to be kind to yourself with that kind of stuff. Mm, beautiful self-compassion in practice there treating yourself like a friend it's exercise is important but sometimes you just have to listen to that body and go actually rest is what my body needs today and that is totally fine and that is totally the best decision to make so I love those tips Kayla thank you no worries who would you like to hear from next yes um, I would love to hear from Ash next uh, okay, that's good because mine's sort of similar. Um, so, like, I mean, at the moment, I can't really go anywhere or do anything. I'm locked in a hotel room. Um, but, you know, when I start to get stressed and things like that, I I, I drink lots of chamomile tea. I really, really mm. like chamomile tea. Um, and, you know, the odd occasion yoga. Uh, it was much easier when I could actually go to the yoga studio. One of my friends runs one. So it's a social interaction as well as yoga, that bit of meditation and things like that. Um, but I would say possibly the most important thing is, is sleep, um, mm. a, a sleeping routine. I mean, I did night shift since I was 15. I did it for 15 years of, of no sleep or sleep all over the shop. And I think not only is it important for you, like physically, um, like medically, physically, it mentally as well. It, sleep is probably one of the most underrated, important things, a consistent seven to nine hours you even if you have like uni work that needs to be done and you think I should do an all nighter and get it done and things like that. Yeah. It's important to get those things done, but if you are killing yourself doing it and your work is going to have to be redone the next day because you have done it fatigued and it's awful anyway, you may as well stop giving yourself so much stress, get that sleep and hit it with a fresh head and, and really mentally decompress. It's the most important thing. Mm. yeah great tips there really nice and for those listening just to give the context of ash being locked in a hotel room he's in um covid quarantine in in singapore at the moment so um just at that context of locked in a room <laughs> we're all we're all we're all kind of feeling we're locked at home but ash has got that next little level up with um having having moved having gone back to, to to back to Singapore and um we can only imagine the size of the room is super super tiny so um yeah so all all is well there there is a, a little bit of stretching going on but we're, we're looking forward to him being able to leave leave that room as I'm sure you are yourself Ash. almost freedom a couple more days <laughs> almost yeah it's really great so Ash who do you want to hear from Tash or Manami? Uh, Manami please oh no pressure um I guess I I don't really have like any like really like real tips but more of like a reminder for everyone I suppose is that when we're in remote learning we have a tendency to kind of overcomplicate what we have to do because it's a new environment so like when I was making like my resources um I found out I was really overcomplicating it to try to kind of accommodate the remote teaching the remote learning 
Um, but then after a while, I realized, why am I doing this? It's like teaching a normal classroom, just like, you know, over video sort of in person. So like it really saves you a couple of hours if you just kind of keep it simple, don't overcomplicate it and just take time to breathe and relax and just, you know, keep it, yeah, keep it simple, basically. Yeah, nice. Really, a really lovely tip there. I like that. And um, uh, putting, you know, putting it in perspective of what can be achieved, what you can do, you can still be innovative and, and explore some new things. But sometimes we just have to dial it down a little bit in, in what is possible and what's right for us right now. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a, a wonderful tip. Thank you. Okay, last but not least, Tash. What are your self-care wellbeing tips for placement, particularly in that online space? Yeah, well, if I'm being honest, I'm probably not the best ambassador for self-care as <laughs> you would think <laughs> because I am a person who leaves things to the last minute and then stresses like crazy. It's not even funny. <laughs> um, but I do think that even though I don't can't, I struggle to live by it. I think it is important to have that balance between work and self-care. Um, I think in our group, I think we did it really well in terms of setting out the expectations and got the work done before it was needed. So it kind of gave us that time at the end of the day to sort of relax and get away from the screen, as Kayla said, um, and like go read a book or exercise or taking a relaxing bath or um, going outdoors. And we were ready to um, recoup for the next day. Um, I just found that a really beneficial way to approach it. Um, so I think I'd probably assess <laughs> myself and kind of implement that into my life now that I know <laughs> that it works really well. <laughs> Nice, nice tip and nice realisation. And what I love that you guys have all revealed is that there's a variety of different um, strategies you can use and it's finding what's right for you right now in, in this situation, which has been great. And I also love that there's been realisations of um, when you're working as a team and how you can support one another with that and that you guys have approached, you know, the massive task that you've had to do this week as a team and have divided those those tasks up you've utilized each other you've worked smart um, and made sure that you keep to those time frames that you you do manage the time well so that when you shut the screens at the end of the day um, that you can honor that that break time there and a little bit of stopping rather than crazy hours um, occurring and, and bleeding into um, that, that personal time, which is really nice. Well, I want to say a huge thank you to the six of you. Uh, not only has it been an absolute delight um, with the four days we spent together already, but for your openness of, of um, sharing with this podcast episode and all the insights that you've provided as well. It's something that's quite an unusual professional experience placement, something that we all started off the start of the week with a little bit of nerves and um, anticipation of oh, what, what is this going to be like also that none of us knew each other either and that the six of you um, 
you know, really bouncing off one another and forming great relationships um, professionally and personally and going on this journey and particularly the journey of the podcast as well. So thank you so much for, for coming and joining Teachers Supporting Teachers and for sharing all those insights. you in your professional growth i'd love for you to take a moment to share your thoughts on social media and i invite you to do this with the hashtag teachers supporting teachers to access this episode's notes other episodes as well as resources feel free to connect on the web at www.exploreandcreateco.com or on instagram and twitter at relicops i'd really love to connect with you Thank you to Magnus Muni for the music and thanks also to my guests, Ash, Kayla, Manami, Lauren, Nina and Natasha for joining us for this series and this episode really unpacking what it's like to be on an online placement, particularly in the situation of a simulation. And I, as you ponder this episode, I invite you to think about these questions. How can working in a collaboration support your professional growth? How do you support well-being in an online learning environment? How do you approach inclusion in your teaching? And how do you care for yourself when you're on placement? Mm-hmm.